All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. And this is Bull Bear Radio. Hey, it's season four, episode two. Hey, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit of record about records and our, our records meant to be broken. You know, we're we're getting uh, a little longer winded in this bull market. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, where we're at in this streak here. But, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that and maybe Fang taking a little bit of a bite out of your portfolio the last couple of days. But I want to introduce my guest here today. The dividend doctor's not in the house. So I've, I've got a, a special guest for you guys. He's made a couple of appearances here and there uh, in the past. But I've got Steve V, Steve Van Sulkema uh, of Millington Securities, a high-touch trading firm here today, uh, and, and tons of experience. I mean, th- this guy's been a little bit of all over the place over the years here. Uh, Goldman. You're talking me up, Matt. Bear Stearns. You're making it sound good. It's true. Yeah. Yep. Ally yeah. Bank. Yeah. I started my career at Goldman. And uh, what'd pro- you do over there? Uh, at Goldman, I was working in private wealth management, uh, doing a lot of risk valuations and things like that. Then I moved over to Bear Stearns, where I was a portfolio manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just a portfolio manager. That's it. Well, it was a portfolio manager, but covering structured credit debt and uh, collateralized mm-hmm. debt obligations and everything, uh, mortgage-backed inst- instruments, things yeah. like that. You okay. Know, some uh, heavy Some complex stuff. stuff. Yeah. Some yeah. complex stuff. Yeah, yeah. And operationally, you were covering all the operations and, yeah. and and running those strategies and portfolios and all that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. Now, and then Ally Bank, what were you doing? Ally Bank, I helped start a broker-dealer over there. Okay. Uh, basically, it was uh, two people in the room, and we built it up to about 45 salespeople, sales traders. Uh, what were you guys trading? We were trading there? mortgage-backed security. Okay. Primarily, again, uh, issued by Ally, which uh, the former uh, GMAC, one of the probably the fourth largest issuer originator of mortgages at the time. Okay. So we had a lot of you know a lot of mortgages coming through our pipeline, and that was right during. Uh, you know, some of the good days of, of, of mortgage origination, but back actually, you know, after we sort of cleaned up, uh, we gotten through the subcrime crisis. So it was a, it was a good cool. time. Definitely. All right. So, uh, and, and now, now I, uh, am the chief operating officer of Millington Securities. And what uh, do you guys do? We primarily, we focus on high touch institutional trading. And, uh, basically what that means is we are focused on, uh, taking uh, client orders that are typically very difficult to work. They're not retail in the sense of they're not, uh, you know, 500 shares of Apple or 1,000 shares of Apple. That's very simple to execute. And rather, we work on uh, 100,000, 500,000 share orders that are typically a very large part of the stock's average, average daily, daily volume. volume. Right, right. right. Okay. And, and for that reason, if we were to simply plow into the market and try to execute that order all at the same time, we're going to blow the stock price up, cause something called market impact. 
impact. It's going to destroy performance. Do no, it's going to hurt client returns. So we try our best to uh, work as quietly and as we like to say, anonymously as possible, hide away from uh, some of these high frequency guys and, and uh, get the job done for our clients and get them good performance. Okay. So you've been looking at a couple of stocks the last couple of days. You and I were joking a little bit about Netflix this morning. I mean, yeah. it's been all over the news. It's one of those fang stocks that's been popular. Uh, you were telling me like everybody you know owns it. Yeah, everybody I know owns it. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit just about the the business model itself. You know, people that aren't really concerned with uh, the, the financials. Uh, friends of mine that not, not necessarily are looking at you know the actual books of the. They know the, the company. Thing, know they what know what you the company. Exactly. They know the company. And you know, they like the product. They like the product. They like the content. They know that they're going home every night and they're turning on one of this various series uh, that's offered by the uh, program uh, by the uh, uh, the company. Now Netflix got nailed though. I mean, from Killed. a price perspective, destroyed. <laughs> and uh, why was that? Well, uh, basically, they came out with estimates of. Uh, they came out with their own estimates of subscription growth, and. Uh, Apparently, there was also some other financial forecaster estimates yeah. uh, that were even higher than- Yeah, well, uh, this this is what Don and I always talk about here. I mean, mm-hmm. analysts expected 6.3 million new subscribers. Now, the company had put out guidance that it was at 5.2. Yep. They came in at 4.47 million. I mean, 4.47 million is pretty close to five. Uh, like- Analysts, yeah, I mean, it's another classic, one of these classic examples. It seems like they got it wrong here. It absolutely seems like they got it wrong. If we had just listened to the company, if the markets had sort of listened just to the company, probably not as much of a drastic reaction as happened this morning. Right. But we did see that, you know, come back then throughout the day. The stock opened up this morning at around 345, Mm -hmm. down significantly, but then it closed up at uh, 379 by the end of the day. Now, you were talking about some of the options, yeah, out, out there, right on this thing. Talk to me. What what what's it signaling? Is it signaling like this company's doomed? Is it? Well, we were just uh, we just happened to be looking at some bullish, of the, uh, the bearish. Op- we 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 were looking at some of the. I mean, there's two things I would say to that. There was. Uh, some options that we were looking at this morning um, on some, you know, not too distant call options, uh, price with a strike price of three ninety, right? So higher than you know the current current stock price, and um, they were down to ten cents. You know, you could buy them for ten cents this morning, and uh, I'm not sure exactly, but I believe by the close of business they were up very significantly. I think they were up into the thirty dollar uh, range. No way. So you know, you could have put just a thousand dollars to work and made a quite a nice so the- uh, little little chunk of change there in a short amount of time. So this is a bullish signal. Well, it's a bullish signal. You know, again, I would be very careful about that. That's a that, that kind of an option trade doesn't happen very frequently. But what I would say, what I would say is the signal is people uh, think the stock price is going to move higher. Yes, right? okay, and, that's what I'm trying to say. And, it, and people and and that the uh, drop and decline that occurred in this morning was an overreaction to what actually. Do you know what the, the volume was? Is. Uh, I don't. I, okay. I, I don't off the top of my head. All right. I, I was just wondering if you guys happen to see what the volume was. But anyway, let's, you know, you talk about Fang, right? And everybody's been talking about, a lot about Fang recently. The market for the year through through taping today, 5.75% total return. Uh, not too shabby, halfway point for the year, right? But I think people are expecting so much more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could talk about that in a couple of minutes, but, you know, Facebook's up 17% for the year. 
year. Amazon up 55, Apple up 13, not too shabby. Netflix up over 100%. Yep. I mean, still. And, and Google up, you know, a solid 13%. So you got the the FANG, the five-letter the five version of it, mm-hmm. uh, 2.79% positive contribution t- uh, of return here to the 5.75%. is 49% of the return. That's... That's, that's huge, huge and significant when you're talking about an index that's comprised of 500 different securities, right? right? We're talking about just those top... Half the returns coming from five stocks. Ax- absolutely. I mean... And this is, you know, as, as you and I have discussed frequently, investors out there, um, you know, even going back for years, looking at the S&P 500 as this represents the entire market. It's not true. Uh, why, you know, why is that? Well, you know, it's a market cap weighted index, and these are very, you know, these are the largest players out there. Right. And they're doing a great job as far as, you know, if you're invested in them, that's fine. But if you uh, think that you're invested in 500, you know, a diversified index of 500 securities, no, you're invested in basically these, as you point out, this is 50% of the return. It's coming from just those names and these, alone. And these are heavy weighted, too. These are, these are uh, you know, companies that Huge. make up three to five percent of the index weighting so when you you take a look at these guys these five stocks are making up you know close to to 15 percent maybe even more right it's very true so i mean they do hold a lot of weight here now you look at the top 10 stocks the top 10 performing stocks this year uh have contributed 4.23 percent of the 5.75 percent return so you're talking about three quarters of the return 75 percent almost has come from 10 stocks this year. You either own the 10 stocks or you don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't, don't have it in front of me, but I'd assume that there are a lot of stocks that are either middle of nowhere or, or down for the year at this point, right? There have to be if you're going to be offsetting the, that, that amount of gain with you know, the, the declines that are on the other side. Because you had another 10 stocks, and I mean, you're, you're going to be outsized. Yep. You're going to be uh, positive contributions, going to be more return than the index. Uh, yep. But the other 480 are not doing too much. It's true. It's so, true. And I would point out just one thing, just, uh, you know, this came in just a little bit later after the day, but looking after the Netflix uh, return, uh, you know, in f- all these forecasters that we're talking about, you know, the the, the Fang Group has, I believe, uh, returned about 64, 65% in total over the past 12 months. Yeah. The oh, for- yeah, definitely. Forecasters right now for the next 12 months, about 5% is what they're shooting at. Really? 5 to 6%. Wow. Yeah, that, wow. that came out after the close. Now, again, we talked about forecasters and how much you should believe them. Yeah, but, the analysts say, uh, you know, get it wrong all the time, it would seem. Right. So, but I mean, again, imagine if, you know, you're the, the formulas that you just mentioned, if it's, you know, five, uh, 50% or even 75% of the return. And now we're talking instead of 65%, we're talking 5%. That, that S&P is not going to be moving the that's same a, way it has. And, and that's assuming that the other stocks don't pick up the slack Absolutely. too. I mean, of course. if there could be a rotation from the growth trade to more value, right. then maybe we've got some sort of uh, resurgence in the index as the whole. But I mean, unless that happens, I mean... If you got a 5% return on these FANG stocks, which you've been driving returns now for five years virtually, mm-hmm. you could go back, do the same math, three, five years, and these same stocks or, or a derivation of the stocks have been doing it all pretty yeah. much. It's yep. been the magic. Absolutely. It's been the magic for the market here. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit quick about where the return has come. Just from a, we're talking about where the magic has come from. Information technology this year, 3.77% of the 5.72% return. 
And when you take a look at that, obviously three or four stocks, even in information technology, are doing the whole thing. The whole thing. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And then consumer discretionary actually has been a bright spot. Obviously, we were just talking about uh, before the show here, retail sales came in for June uh, pretty good. Right. Up right. a half a percentage point, but at the same time, the Federal Reserve just about lost their mind because they <laughs> saw, you know, consumer credit doubled, mm-hmm. yeah, more than expected to mm-hmm. twenty four billion plus. Yeah. So, uh, and and the big credit card companies are are loving it. Yeah, they're, because they're they're loving it. But you you know what what happens, right? People get excessive confidence. You can start getting. A little Why bit. do you think they have the confidence? You think this is because the economy's been good and unemployment's at a low. Yeah, wages the, are up a little bit. People think they're going to make some more money. The Fed, the Fed's, you know, the Fed's talking about. Um, or all they have to do is look on the news, uh, read the newspapers, and they see it everywhere, right? Uh, unemployment is the lowest it's been, and you know, I believe since two thousand one. Yeah. Um. You know, there's there's not really significant wage pressure there. People have jobs. Uh, you know, their housing values are starting to come back a little bit, et cetera. Yeah. They're starting to see, you know, they, they've got significant gains in their portfolio because they've been invested for, you know, throughout the past couple of years sure. through this uh, bull market. And that's exactly what happens. And it typically what happens when you start towards, towards a late a, stage a bull, late bull market stage. cycle. Yeah. Healthcare is the number three here, but let's talk about records and records. You know, you think they're meant to be broken, Steve? Absolutely. Absolutely. One was broken today. Uh, I believe the NASDAQ uh, re- closed a record high of uh, 77.51. Really? Wow. Again, NASDAQ is tech heavy. Uh, excuse me. Tech heavy. Tech heavy. And healthcare heavy to a certain extent, yes. too. Yep. So, absolutely. Um, you know, those two sectors, obviously, as we just said, have been doing great this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longest bull market stretch ever uh, 4,494 days. Wow. Uh, wow. That's pretty long. That's, that's a long. That was 1987 to 2000. Do you want to guess what the return was, Steve? Um, I'm going to guess around uh, 582%. It was it, that that's winner winner chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Steve had had the number here. So so he had a disadvantage, but uh I mean, I mean disadvantage. Oh my gosh. Whew. Long day. Anyway, 582%. That's right. So, um, you know, since 1928, it's interesting, right? That's a very long stretch. Good markets and bad. You have, you know, uh, the 30s in there, very tumultuous time for markets, followed by pretty good stretch during the 40s and 50s, 60s and 70s, no return, mm-hmm. right? Yep. 80s and 90s, obviously 87 to 2000, longest bull market stretch in history, but the 80s were good, so were the 90s. Mm-hmm. 2000 to... Um, you know, 2009, lost decade. Yeah. Nobody made any money. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people are a little forgetful of that. I don't know if your friends are. Well, no, I mean... Uh, or, or that stings a little bit. It, it, it definitely stings. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm probably calling out my age, but clearly I've been through both of them. Uh, you know, I was there during the, the technology boom of the, the 2000s. I remember all my friends being, you know, long in all those technology stocks. Right. And, you know, a couple of them, all of a sudden, they went from, you know, they post-college graduate and they were suddenly millionaires. The next day, they were broke. You're not broke, but, you know, they, they, right, they right. lost they had a it lot all. Right, right. They had a lot less money. Absolutely. So, and it happened once, you know, 
on in the 2000s, right, with the technology burst. And then we happened again in the 2007 to 2009 right. with the, uh, the asset bubble, I'm sorry, with the housing you know, burst. And that, right. that, that affected as well. Right, financial crisis and such. So the current uh, stretch is, is not even, even in the ballpark of, of the longest yet. It's the second longest, but it's not, not quite there yet. But since 1928, the average uh, run for a bull market was just over a thousand days. It was a thousand ninety six days, which is a long stretch when you think about it. Several year stretch yeah. of a bull market, um, you know, run without a twenty percent correction. Yeah. And the average historically one hundred eighteen percent price move higher, just okay. price, not total return. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's a good bull market. I mean, once you like a hundred percent rise in your, your portfolio's value, but sometimes, you know, the, the market taketh what it, what, what it giveth. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, <laughs> you know, since 1974, it's interesting though, 2,765 days has been the average bull market. The, the bull market cycles have on average gotten a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, the euphoria around what is driving returns higher seems to last longer. Right. People rally around this. And then it's, it, and it would seem on the flip side, the, the bear markets have been just as devastating yet even sharper than history absolutely uh you know would would suggest so you have longer bull markets but you have deeper shorter bear markets just look at 2000 and uh to 2000 2001 right right that was 2000 2001 2002 49% correction in that in that in that time period and then in 2007 2009 like it was 56% yeah yeah correction those are some significant you know significant losses and that's S&P 500 yeah that was that was a little less the NASDAQ was worse by a bunch yeah and, and you're talking about the NASDAQ getting back to an all-time record. Well, how long did that take? It took a really long time. So when we get back, all right, we're going to talk about where we're at, the length, the duration of where we're at with this bear, uh, bull, bull market, uh, second longest stretch here. We'll let you know how long that's been, what the return's been. Then we're going to talk a little bit about this flattening yield curve, and, and we'll be back in just a couple, a couple seconds here. Bull Bear Radio roared into 2018. You can now find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. For more market news and insights from our hosts, follow us on Twitter at Bull Bear Radio. Hey, and we're back. As usual, you know, you can follow me on, uh, you know, Twitter uh, handles at WBI President. I think Steve V here, don't get him uh, mixed up with Miami Steve of the E Street Band. Uh, I don't think he's on, on, on the Twitter, uh, you know, for business purposes, but you can find him over on LinkedIn uh, and you can find Millington Securities over on LinkedIn. And of course, you can find WBI, Bull Bear Radio and all that kind of great stuff on Twitter and LinkedIn as usual. So uh, if you haven't found the, those, those spots, find them. Uh, if you haven't liked the podcast, uh, maybe you want to do that. Not sure. But uh, we like doing this and we like uh you guys listening so keep doing that and uh you know anyway back to um you know bull markets man bull markets we're bull in a markets. still in a bull market now the when was the peak steve do you know when the peak for the s&p was, yeah, was 
January 26th, I believe it uh, was the peak. It closed at... Uh, and that's the all-time high, right? And it is. Okay. Uh, it closed at 28.72 on the close of uh, business January 26th of this year. How are you feeling? You think we get back there? Maybe don't get back there? How are you feeling about things right now? Well, you know, if, uh, you know, th- things change and there's definitely some added volatility. We saw an enormous amount of volatility in the first quarter, as we know. Continue to see some volatility in the second quarter. Not quite as much, but still a bunch. Absolutely. You know, it kept uh, the S&P. Some outsized days there, too. Absolutely. Lots of outsized days. Significantly uh, And a lot profile. of negative days in, in a, you know, yeah. a long ne- ne- negative streak, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Absolutely. And 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 we saw that S&P 500 bounce off of its 200-day uh, moving average. Uh, I believe it was four, four or five times in the second quarter versus only one time in the first quarter. You know, wow. that's, that's suggestive. Of, that's a technical indicator that is usually a support indicator. And um, so far, it's been supportive. Support. It's, <laughs> it's been bounced supportive. off. Yeah, it's bounced off. But the, the number of times that it keeps, you keeps know, bouncing, bouncing off of it is a little concerning, I guess, from a trading perspective, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to test that too many times. Right. But the more you, times you test it, the more time, you know, the higher probability you have going through it, right? Absolutely. Okay. But. You asked if, you know, I see that it's going to be higher, and I would say, yeah, probably. You know, right now, I think we closed today uh, at uh, around 28.09, and uh, if you're going to ask me where I think we're going to be at the end of the year, or maybe not at the end of the year, but at some point between now and the end of the year, yeah, I bet we'd cross above 28.72 and get above that high again. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think we'd be of a similar mind there. I mean, if, if uh, you know, the big things that hanging over the market's a trade wars. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that caused you know, you a lot think, of the volatility. And I mean, the EU and Japan this morning just did a did a deal for one of the large, you know, having one of the biggest uh, trading blocks of all time here. You know, between the EU and Japan, two of the bigger, you know, from a economic perspective, the EU and Japan together is uh, big. Yeah, no, big, huge, and and uh, no tariffs, by the way. So right. that was like a a sharp stick in in uh, the president's eye. So. Mm. I think he's got to come away with some wins before midterms, wouldn't you think? I would think so. I, I mean, think politically, so. it'd be suicide if the market continues to, to go down yeah. yeah, due to trade wars that you started. I mean, that, that's got to be tough, I would think. What, what do you think? I, I, I think so, and I think that's why this most recent round of uh, you know the, the, uh, the, 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 the proposed tariffs with China, you know, he's put a period out there saying, eh, let's discuss it until September. You know, I think he's probably using this as a negotiation tactic. Okay. And we might still see some tariffs, you know, certainly, but sure. I don't know if we're going to see a full 200 because on the flip side, I don't know if, uh, you know, China would retaliate, obviously, but I don't know if China has $200 billion that they could put tariffs on of, of uh, American imports. Right, right. So let's say, you know, 3,416 days. That's the current stretch without a 20% correction on the S&P 500. We did not get there yet. Nope. I've talked to a couple of advisors that swear we did, but no, it, no. it, it got close. Right. It got close. Some yeah. other indexes surpassed that bear market threshold. You know, China year to date is down like 14%. I yeah. mean, you know, it depends on the index and the market you're taking a look at. The rise price percentage wise, 314% and total return a little over 400%. So the dividends do matter, man. Yeah. You know, which people don't uh, take into consideration most of the time. Absolutely. We usually talk in in total return because, you know, we're the dividend guys. Dividends to us matter. So, you know, uh, speaking of dividends, 
bond investors, man. Mm-hmm. We're talking about your experience on the bond side. Yeah. You know, um, you were talking to me a little bit about the flattening yield curve. What do you think's going on there? Well, what, what, what's, what's, what's it telling us? Okay. Well, you know, let, let's, let's take a one just quick step back and just, you know, what we're talking about when we talk about a flattening yield curve. So uh, yield, you know, the normal shape of a yield curve is upward sloping. What that means is that the short-term investments, the short-term notes, treasury bills, et cetera, are requiring less of a yield uh, from investors than the longer term, uh, you know, long-term bonds, the 20-year 20, right. 20 and 30-year. That's a normal-shaped yield curve. Uh, when you talk about the flattening of a yield curve, it means that the yields are getting closer and closer together between uh, the short and the long term. One of the measures that we use, uh, commonly used in the bond world and, and throughout the world, uh, the Fed has been talking a lot about it, yep. is what's called the twos-tens curve, which is the difference between spreads between the two year treasury note and the 10 year treasury note. And um, right now, um, that closed today at 24 uh, basis points, 24 and a quarter basis points. It was actually down 6% just today itself. It hasn't been this low since 2007. Does it matter? Okay, so the question is, does it matter? Well, it's an interesting fact. Yeah, the the bond market seems to be signaling trouble. Right. Well, and and the reason for that is that when you look back over the past 60 years, um, every recession that has occurred in the past 60 years has been preceded by what's known as an inverted yield curve. Sure, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But again, at the end of uh, June, I believe we were around 34 and change. We're already at 24 and change. Right. You know, it seems like there's a pace of acceleration. And if you look at that curve... Um, you know, it, it seems to be moving towards it. And many forecasters, many analysts out there would say we probably are going to see a yield curve inversion. And, you know, these recessions have been preceded by an inverted yield curve. It's, it's not necessarily predictive of exactly when. It doesn't happen the next day. Okay. To, I was just going to ask the question. Yeah. I mean, like, so it flattens and to, like tomorrow it inverts. Right. Like, are we doomed the next day? Like, no. It's, it's, we go from what Barclays is forecasting at 5.2 percent Q2 right. GDP growth right to like tomorrow we're no we're absolutely done not now no, it's stick t- a fork in us historically I believe it's been uh, between six and 24 months or so after that inversion occurs right. okay bef- before a recession you know uh, happens and you know you can also look at it the other way and and say that um, you know, every economic downturn or every, uh, you know, has been preceded by, uh, you know, that, that type of inversion as well. Um, and so it's an interesting thing that we look at. It's an interesting indicator and, um, it's not necessarily, you know, perfect indicator as far as the timing of, uh, when a recession might occur or, yep. an econ- or an economic downturn of any type. Right. But it is something that is, uh, foretelling because it basically means that investors are losing faith in the shorter term investments on the bond side. Right. Uh, we've also got the fed raising rates, right? That's the predominant reason for this flattening that's going going on right, right. now. Uh, Fed keeps hiking rates and they're going to keep doing it. And if there's an acceleration of that, they might just go just a little bit too far. Right. And then that's when we might see a different. And we've been uh, talking a lot about that on, on Bull Bear Radio here over some time. The Fed could cause the next recession if they raise rates too fast. Absolutely. Um, at the same time here, I think we have a lot of things that, you know, would indicate that maybe this is a little bit further off. It's not maybe six months away. I mean, if the trade war continues and trade 
Trump doesn't get some wins there, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, 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 would, I don't think he can go on forever. No, I, I would agree. If, I, I would I would think if, if this isn't just rhetoric or negotiation tactic, tactics and that Trump really just keeps slamming the trade out there, at a minimum, you're going to see such extreme market volatility because those have been the most volatile d- days in the market this year. Right. I, I've been when when there's been trade action going on out there. Yep. Um, but you More know, news, it, bad news, it, essentially. Exactly. Right. But, but if that settles down and what we see is uh, more of a, a, you know, a relaxed market, earnings growth, you know, earnings have been um, uh, you very, know, very good. Very and forecasted strong. to be very good. The exactly. early indication here is, and, and Don always is, you know, we're, this is our uh, bread and butter here. I mean, yep. earnings growth so far, we have 38 companies reporting right where Don was saying it was going to be in the low 20s for earnings growth year over year, 22.67%. And we have revenue growth of 9.7% so far. Uh, we're missing, obviously, a ton of companies and some sectors aren't even reporting yet. But this is just giving us a tone that it's headed in the right direction once again. Yep. So I think we'll see, uh, you know, GDP numbers are going to come out soon. I've, I've seen anything you were saying, uh, some some threes. Yeah, well, I, I were from three on, I, on I some was, economists. I was seeing a lot of uh, economists from some of the big banks talking in the threes. Uh, the Fed, some of the Fed uh, uh, branches have been coming out with, uh, you know, in the fours, though. Bar- Barclays, 4.2. Atlanta, Atlanta Fed's Atlanta around, Fed. uh, you know, four, four and a half. Chain, yeah, exactly. So, you yeah. know, so somewhere in that range. Yeah. So. And, that, and that's coming after, you know, we had a 2.0 and it was revised slightly down for Q1. So, yeah, you know, so they're expecting some heated up here. Exactly. Right, right. We can yeah. get a little heated up here and that should be in line with uh, what, what we've been talking about. You know, we have repatriation of clearly, you know, almost $3 trillion. We're in the midst of summing some of that money coming back on shore. We've got the tax cuts that are starting to take effect. That's one reason maybe why consumers are continuing to spend. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more uh, free with their cash flow because they know they won't have to pay as much in taxes at the end of the year. They know that they might be getting you know, more money in their pockets. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, we move higher from here. Will we test the the, the length and duration of 4,494 days? <laughs> I, I'm not so sure about that. No, you no, know, no. we got a lot of stuff that could happen between now and then. Obviously, we have a presidential election just right. two years out from now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, you know, right now we've got, uh, you know, high yield bonds is like one of the highest performing uh, bond sectors there is out there. But there's a little bit of shakiness in the credit uh, quality. Sure. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that the Fed's going to keep raising rates at some point, you know, as we know, and I'm sure you guys have spoken about, corporations have been borrowing, borrowing, borrowing over the past that, lowest right. interest rate. They're going to have to start repaying all that debt as these rates are going up. So, you know, that's going to take a lot of cash flow and a lot off of their earnings. And, you know, if the Fed just goes a little bit too fast, as they typically do. Right. And uh, the growth isn't there to support it. Right. And all we need is a little bit of shakiness in consumer confidence, so shaking and uh, corporate confidence and uh, or you could have a particular asset bubble burst such as with uh, you know treasuries or something like that it, it, it could happen uh, is it going to happen this year yeah I would agree with you it's probably not going to happen this year but uh, 20, 2020 2019 2021 I think you know we're we're definitely going to be looking at a recession at some point in that time frame sir. sure and it could be 2019 sure. sooner because of trade wars or yep. it could be later uh, because the tax cuts, in, and if we get rid of trade wars, I think the the boardroom gets more excited again. Yeah, I think they feel, whoa, what's going on here? And and you could see, 
you know, Q3 GDP look a little soft, but we could have a, a reacceleration throughout the course of, uh, you yeah. know, the, the year maybe. And even into early, as Don and I have discussed, uh, Q1, maybe even Q2 of next year. But then it's kind of like, where do we go from here? The Fed's a wild card. The trade wars are a wild card. The next election's a wild card two years out. And just remember the fiscal stimulus that's helping prop this all up, right? These tax cuts that you were just talking about, you know, that could come home to roost a little bit too soon as well. Right. Right. You know, the government's going to have to start borrowing itself, you know, and to, to you know, repay this uh, enormous deficit. Sure. That's going to be growing faster and faster and faster at the same time that they're, you, you know. got to have the economic economic growth, which is the whole key. Exactly. So exactly. Anyway, that's uh, another uh, gripping episode of Bull Bear Radio here. And uh, Steve, thanks for, uh, you know, uh, sitting with us today. And, Always a pleasure. Uh, I think the Dividend Doctor is going to be next back next week. So we'll be talking a little bit more about, obviously, dividends. The Dividend Corner will be back next week. So, uh, you know, keep keep your ears peeled to uh, iTunes and Google Play, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants are clients of WBI, main owned stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time, and there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations services and fees are in the form ADV available upon request.